0: Welcome to t Deep Space from N2K Networks. I'm Maria Varmazes, host of the T-minus Space Daily podcast. And deep space includes extended interviews and bonus content for a deeper look into some of the topics that we cover on our daily program. For today's show, I'm speaking with Daniel Fox. And Daniel Fox is an author, photographer, and an explorer. He is a major space advocate, believing that it is nature's goal for humanity to venture into space. With much mainstream commentary, often focusing on why we shouldn't go to Antarctica, why we should not go to the moon, and why we should not venture beyond Earth, Daniel Fox has a very different point of view. He takes us through his compelling case, of why we should connect with and make it easier to experience remote places that were once only reachable to the rare, brave few through sheer endurance and suffering. Places like Antarctica, the moon, and one day, Mars and beyond.
2: I'm Daniel Fox. I'm the founder of Future Space and the author of on the Wild, which is my book that came out in 2019, For 15 years, I did solo wilderness expeditions where I did photography and wrote stories about the human journey, but using nature. But now I do that with space, connecting nature to space, the human journey, the human story of us on the planet and uh, going beyond.
0: That's great. Well, thank you for joining me today, Daniel. And there's a lot of activity going on right now. You've been on a lot of adventures in your life. It's uh, it feels almost weird to be like, what's your next one? But you've got you've got another one coming up soon. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah. So on December of this year, uh, we're going to Antarctica on a kind of, I mean, luxurious exploration vessel, and we're bringing along William Shatner, uh, NASA astronaut Scott Kelly, and then we're gonna have some other big names. There are a lot of things for this voyage, but one of them is really to promote going to these places uh, with a conscious and aware mind um, because there's there's a narrative that's out there about not going to the moon, not going to space, not going to Antarctica and trying to preserve as if to put them into a bubble and thinking that they exist better in a, in a bubble. and we want to promote the the, the other way. We want to promote the, the human experience the physicality of what it does to you know to go to these places in a mindful way um, so that we can learn. We can, you know, the world is made to be experienced and we need to remind ourselves that we can do it in a mindful way.
0: Yeah, I I would love to hear you expand on that a bit. I, it's the folks that you're going with also are, are, are fa- I mean, two fascinating ambassadors for space right there. Um, and and I, I think that's a really smart, intentional choice to be making, especially when many times when I speak to people outside of the space bubble, uh, there's a lot of cynicism about who is at the forefront of that conversation and what their motivations are. Uh, so I think it's it's fascinating that you have folks that are very well respected and loved uh, at the forefront of this journey. And I, I would just love to hear about the connection to Antarctica and also who you're going with and why, because that's I think that's so fascinating.
2: You know, going to these places is really important because that's, I mean, the hindsight and the the perspective is only done once you go over there. I mean, you know, Shatner got when he went to space that perspective, that physicality cannot be replicated if you're just standing, you know, staying home. So being able, like, if if you think about going to Antarctica, up until very recently, it was only like hardcore research and limited to a small number of people who really want to push the, the, the boundaries and now it's getting easier and more affordable it's still an expensive you know um, uh, experience and you need to be committed but more and more people are able to experience, you know to connect to the remoteness and if it's put with the right friend you know and the right the the, the, the right structure the right context it becomes a life-changing environment, you know, experience and where you can come back and you can share with your with your family. You can say, Okay, now I understand how things are connected. Because like it's we're we're a physical species. We need to experience things. We don't do well with concept. And I think that right now we rely too much on these concepts for people to change. And it doesn't work. So once you go over there and you get to experience the landscape, you get to experience these animals and you get to Expense all of this within a a structure that reminds you of the responsibility and the the connectedness of everything. It cannot but just be really powerful, you know, agent of change and the moon is the same thing. And, you know, to your point about this being uh, only to the ones who can afford it or to billionaires, unfortunately, the curve of technology has always been the same. Right now, you and I were, you know, we're talking on computers, computers were only to the rich, you know, to the rich who could afford it back in back in those days, the same thing with the cell phones. And now it's ubiquitous, you know, everyone can have it. So space, these travel destinations are often offered or available to the people that can afford it until it becomes available to the masses. So it will, you to have the same kind of adaptation uh, timeline.
0: Absolutely. I mean, even in my lifetime, just vacationing abroad for many people has gone from a once-in-a-lifetime thing to multiple times a year for some folks. I mean, it's, uh, it's it has changed a lot. And you mentioned something very interesting about uh, sort of—I'm I'm, going to use the word stewardship since it's the only word that comes to mind—about uh, the, the attitudes we take with, with us when we go to these places, Antarctica or One Day the Moon— you know, when people go with a certain mindset of taking care of these spaces in a responsible way versus just pure exploitation, I'm just curious about your thoughts on that because you wrote this amazing piece that I really loved, <laughs> and we'll make sure to link it in the show notes. But you get into some detail about that, and I wanted to just sort of hear
2: your thoughts on on, on that. Life is constantly moving forward, right? It's like, it's like having children and having a family and always thinking that like, the children are going to stay home and never go anywhere. They are meant to go beyond you. That's why we have children, so that they can continue our legacy. And every single generation is going to try to do better than that generation before. But they need to go out and experience. And they will do their own mistakes, right? But if you can give them the the, the skills to move forward and to create their new life with the value, with the correct values, this is why our society has been improving and we're not stuck in, you know, 1920s with a hammer and ore. I think we've forgotten, that we, we take things, you know, for granted, but our, our society has been evolving because we're constantly trying to do things better. And then we move forward. So going to these places, right, you, you make a reference on the article that I wrote. And in that article, I talk about maybe the most, the most powerful insight we've ever had is, you know, from Carl Sagan when we look in the pale blue dot but this is what it does when you go beyond you've lived you know in a little village and then finally you climb up to the mountain and you look back and you saw and you start to see okay now now i get it right different perspective we talk about the overview effects seeing the earth in context of space that is what moving forward going beyond does but we have the capacity because this is what we do. We have the capacity to always try to do better, to do it in a mindful way. If we prevent people to do it, then we prevent our, the opportunity for us to try to do the right way. And the status quo, it's always going to be easy for the status quo to point fingers because, oh, you know, you stay behind and you don't, you know, and you don't get your feet wet. But then you prevent learning and creating the opportunity to do the right thing So then it breaks because ultimately you cannot prevent life from moving. And if you don't, if you don't lead, right, you give the opportunity for others to come and take that lead and then they might not do it in the way that you want to have it done. So that's why we have to go to the moon. That's why we have to lead and go to Antarctica so that we can shape the narrative according to the values that we want. Because if we don't, then it might not be that future that that we envision.
0: I think that that's a very compelling case there. And uh, I found myself nodding a lot as I was reading it because it makes a lot of sense to me. I have never been to Antarctica, but I know you have been many times. Um, And on on this return that you are making later this year, I'm so curious what you hope uh, the other travelers on this journey will take away from uh, when they go and see this incredible place.
2: Just how everything is connected, right? The physicality of these places the landscape, the mountains, the ice, the, obviously there's you know, crossing the Drake Passage, which is becoming uh, more manageable because we can work faster and then we have ships that, that can handle better. But visiting these places, when you have people that gives you, that reminds you of like, understand that a hundred years ago, you know, Shackleton was like in a tall sail ship at the mercy of the elements and now we're able to do it and we have the internet. But for people to experience nature, ultimately, it's what we have on earth, right? We we get to see the penguins and their natural elements. This is not a zoo. This is not, you know, this is like we are, we have a, a team of experts, expedition team that have spent 10, 15, 30 years you know, um, uh, learning about their craft, whether they're a geologist or an environmentalist or a penguin expert, and they're there to share with us uh, their knowledge. So when, when you go to an experience in Antarctica in that way, it is having not only the, the visual, the connection, the, the excitement, but you get to do it while learning and being educated by people that are extremely passionate about, about their work. Um, and then you know and then you get to share it you get to you get to tell that story to other people and you get to tell them okay this is why it matters because we're connected because i've been there because i've experienced it and i want to live in a world where this is available this is one of the things like in the US that we that, that we forget we have this country that is that we love because people before have understood how to protect it and how to leave room to these places that we can go and enjoy. And they came from a controversial people. Teddy Roosevelt, you know, was a hunter, and but he's the one responsible for a lot of the conservation. Um, so we need to experience these places, whether now it's Antarctica or whether it's Arctic. We need to encourage exploring, even if it's remote, because we need people to understand and we need to Give it the proper care to manage that expansion. Uh, it's like you know saying, "Let's close out the Galapagos because you know it's it's uh, um, it's a rich you know biodiversity." No, it's there. You need people, and how many people have gone over there and said, "This is amazing, right? This is amazing." So that's that's what we need to do.
1: And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and zero trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netscope dot
0: As I'm listening to you saying all these things, and I, I it makes a lot of sense. I, I, I wonder what can we take from that. As humanity explores and leaves the cradle, uh, you know, if, if if we establish a more permanent presence on the moon or maybe Mars one day, what can we take from these lessons that we learn exploring these corners of the earth that are still very remote, in places where you know there is no, as far as we know, biodiversity at all? <laughs> um, what, what what would that look like? How would we be responsible for these places? And I, I have so many questions on that one, and I don't know the answers. <laughs> I just I'm just curious your thoughts. But it's
2: it's trusting the in all these places that we go, we're going to do our best to do it better than the ways that, that we did in the past. And I don't want to judge the past in the ways that like they did it bad. They did it in the best way that they could, considering the culture back in those days, the technology that they had, the knowledge that they had. Like, right, no, no one behind us woke up in, in the morning and said, I'm going to do things in a bad way just because it's so. Right? They all did it within a framework and that was available back in those days. In the same way that right now we try to do things within the framework. And, you know, if we judge the past the way that we judge the past, then we have to accept that we're going to be judged by the future in the same way. And so as we go to space, like right now, there's a lot of conversation about low orbit, about not trashing low orbit. Those are not the conversations that we had, you know, back in the days. We're having these conversations. There's a lot of people involved talking about the legal the, the legislative aspect of the moon, how complicated. Like these conversations are already happening before we're going over there. These kind of conversations were not happening in Europe, you know, before the migration to North America. It was a total different conversation. So giving ourselves credit, like we always talk about the human species in a negative, oh. Uh, We're going to go and trash, you know, the rest is in the same way that we've trashed. Like, no, we're not, like, life is complicated. Life is messy. Everybody wants change, but no one, nobody wants the consequences of change, right? Nobody, we talk about a lot about, like, nobody wants child labor, but nobody wants to pay the real price for a lot of things. We all want that, you know, the conveniency of life. So things are messy, but we have to give ourselves the credit, the the belief that, given the incentive we try to do the the right thing as we go to the moon as we go to the mars as we go into space everybody is going to try to do it better than you know or because we you know now we understand the connectedness how things are connected together how the consequences can impact others we understand those things and now and we also understand how teamwork is necessary and nobody wants to go back in you know, have a war of territories in in space. When I do mentorship, one of the things that I always, you know, I always tell my the, the people that I work with, I cannot I cannot prevent life from happening for you. Right. you like we're at the beginning on this river. I can tell you that the river is gonna be there's gonna be some rapids, there's gonna be some lakes, there's gonna be a bunch of things. But I cannot predict what is going to happen to you. But what I can do is I can give you the skills to negotiate everything in front of you that's going to happen to you, and the skills to make sure that every at every step you will find the opportunities to become better, to learn, you know to grow as an individual and that is the thing that we have to bring back into our own society is that. Whatever life is waiting for us, because also space is going to be his own set of problems, his own sets of reality, and we will make mistakes. But collectively, we have the capacity to find the solution so that we can move better, we can continue and become better. Because ultimately, like, you know, we circle back with our children. Everybody, everybody, when they're parents and they have children, even if they make mistakes or even if they do things that ultimately their children will turn back and say, oh, you know, you didn't do a great job. Everybody is trying to raise their children and give them their tools so that they can be better. And sometimes it backfires. And sometimes, you know, that good intention does not uh, deliver the best, uh, the best results, but it's always done from a place of love and care. And that is how we move forward.
0: Hmm. I, I, that's a really am- amazing metaphor that resonates with me personally. So as a parent, so I, I definitely appreciate that. I wonder, um, given your advocacy and uh, the the many different types of audiences that you have spoken with, when you speak to a, a, an audience of primarily space people, people in the space bubble, <laughs> I'm wondering if there's a, a call to action that you might have for them, especially given I think there is a challenge. Within the space bubble, speaking to people who have that reaction, as you have mentioned, of why are we doing this? Why are we bothering? We've messed it all up here. Any advice or call to action for folks in the space world on, on uh, how to communicate in that situation?
2: Yeah, it's, it's, I think that both sides need um, humility. From the space community, we have to understand where the adversity comes from. The, the sense of abandonment is legitimate, right? The, the the we go back to the family again. You know, when you have one of the kids, one of the the, the sibling, who decides to leave the village and go for New York City or for the big the big city, there is a sense of abandonment behind. it. Oh, we're not good enough for you. You're gonna go and you know to call it the big city. And then there's always a sense of of oh, they come back and then they look different. They speak different and. Or, you know, you're going to have these siblings down the line 40 years later and they're like, well, you left us. So that sense of abandonment is legitimate and we need to address it. And we cannot just say, oh, but the technology, you know, everybody benefits. For a lot of people, they don't don't make those connections. For them, what resonates is that they have a reality and that is a threat to their own reality or it comes at the expense of their reality. And so we have to understand where their worries are coming from so that we can address them. Right? if we pretend that there's no uh, legitimacy to what they feel, then we dismiss them and then we don't develop the skills to, to address them. This is for me, this is one of the things that often we forget, like even just, you know, we're all like super surprised when we judge each other. Well, we judge, I mean, we do let's let's go beyond the denial aspect. Like everybody judges when we do everything. So then we can develop the skills and we can teach people to go beyond those judges, those judgments. But if we don't address the elephant in the room, then everybody kind of like doesn't move from there. When it comes to space, there's a technology, there's, you know, the science, there's, there's a continuation of, of life as we grow. But now we're talking about, you know, the scale of it. We're not just moving from one continent to another continent. We're, you know, we're going beyond, you know, beyond the planet. There is a legitimate sense of abandonment from people. And it's the unknown and it's change. And a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. So the finding the humility of these divisions, of these worries, so that they can be addressed and that's, that is really, for me, this is what I try to do as much as I can with the future space, is to go back to that thread that connects every single person on the planet. And it's the human story. That is what connects us all. and if you, and, and if we can bring to that table the non-space community and the space community so that everybody can understand that this will benefit and because we're all trying to do the same thing, right? The, the the place where we are right now, our society where we are, is nothing different than back in the 1900s where you had Tesla, the Wright brothers, and you had Edison. They were trying to, you know, to create a world of tomorrow that very few actually understood. They were like, who cares? Who cares about light when the Right? Take over the sky, How you know, lights. I mean, like... This is not going to change someone who you know who, who, who is hungry and starving. But that world actually took care of a lot of the issues. That world created a new, better world and where everybody benefited. And that is the same thing with space and moving beyond. America represented a land of new opportunity. And when it was created, I mean, if you go to the the uh, library, uh, National Library in uh, in Washington, and you see the vision that. America was built on, great, you know, a lot of mistakes. But ultimately, America was created and elevated the rest of the world. It's still a beacon of values. And, you know, and now we look at it as we go to space. That's what these new places offer, the opportunity to create something that can elevate everybody else. But the humility of understanding that this can represent also a sense of abandonment, a threat. To what they have in all the reality.
0: I really appreciate what you're saying. And, and I find it extremely moving uh, that you're tying it into the, that you're bringing in uh, uh, the humanity that is often left out of the conversation when we talk about space. Because I, I get geeky, I like to talk about tech, but we are people. It is a story about people, ultimately, people doing things and relating to each other person to person is really. Uh, I, there's so much wisdom in what you said. I just wanted to say how much I appreciated that because it makes a lot of sense to me. This has been a really delightful conversation. I have really enjoyed hearing your thoughts. Is there anything you wanted to leave the audience with before we conclude? I, I like to have my guests have the last words, so anything you wanted to leave folks with?
2: <laughs> just don't be too hard on ourselves. Like, don't... I? I hear so much anxiety and so much negativity about who we are as a species and... And I like, no, stop like change that perspective. We're not a bad species. we're actually an amazing species. Like we figure things out that it is what we do right well, you and I we're not talking on the computer, thousands of miles separated, uh, because we're bad. It's like we're great, life is messy, right life is messy by design. you can't you cannot find innovations without making the mistakes, and often." You know these mistakes, two people will do exactly the same thing. one will succeed the other one will will uh will fail but so there's no manual of instruction, and life by itself is based on disruptions and tension, creation, disruption. So let's give ourselves a little bit of credit. Yes, we have some issues we have to tackle. everybody is on it. uh we all have our own you know uh, idea, but everybody. Like, even the people that we disagree with, they're all trying to make a world of tomorrow that will protect their lives or put food on the table. We all try, we all start from the same place. So let's, let's give ourselves some, some credit, not dismiss what needs to be done, but understand that we have the capacity to shape the future. And then we're not that bad where nature is complicated. Take a moment to kind of like, Change your perspective of the future.
0: That's it for T minus Deep Space for February 17th, 2024. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at space at n2k.com or submit the survey in the show notes. Your feedback ensures that we deliver the information that keeps you a step ahead in the rapidly changing space industry. This episode was produced by Alice Carruth. Mixing by Elliot Peltzman and Trey Hester. With original music and sound design by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producer is Jen Iben. Our VP is Brandon Karp. And I'm Maria Varmazis. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.